U.S. President Joe Biden has appointed a war criminal involved in genocide as an advisor for so-called public diplomacy. Elliot Abrams has been involved in numerous coups and war crimes in numerous U.S. government administrations going back to President Ronald Reagan and continuing throughout the George Bush administration and the Donald Trump administration. Elliot Abrams was involved in the 1980s in the U.S.-backed terror wars on left-wing forces in Central America. He backed the Contras in Nicaragua that carried out war crimes and atrocities, killing civilians, massacring civilians, burning down schools and hospitals. He also was involved in backing similar massacres of civilians in El Salvador, the neighbor of Nicaragua, where the U.S. was backing a brutal right-wing regime. And most extreme of all, Elliot Abrams strongly supported in his capacity, in his role as a top State Department official for the U.S. government, he backed a genocidal right-wing military regime in Guatemala. And when I say genocidal, it is not hyperbole. The leader of Guatemala, the U.S.-backed right-wing dictator, Efrain Rios Montt, was convicted of genocide, of overseeing massacres of indigenous peoples, of Maya, the Maya people in Guatemala, and in this extermination campaign to destroy the left, this U.S.-backed dictatorship carried out genocide, and one of the main people in the U.S. government involved in supporting this fascist military regime in Guatemala was Elliot Abrams under President Ronald Reagan. And yet, Elliot Abrams has continued to fail up, and he's brought back again and again in the government. In the Bush administration, Elliot Abrams was involved in overseeing U.S. policy and supporting the Iraq war. He was one of the original neoconservatives, a neocon. He, in fact, was involved in the project for the new American century, PNAC. And that was the group of neoconservatives who advocated for invading Iraq. And they basically oversaw foreign policy under the administration of George W. Bush, Bush Jr. And then after being involved in the Iraq war, he was brought back by the Donald Trump administration to oversee the coup attempt in Venezuela that began in 2019 with Juan Guaido. Elliot Abrams personally met with Juan Guaido, the U.S.-backed coup leader and puppet. And by the way, Elliot Abrams also was involved in a briefly successful right-wing coup in 2002, back when he was in the Bush administration, also against Venezuela. And furthermore, Donald Trump appointed him as a special representative to oversee a coup attempt in Iran. So this is one of the most notorious war criminals in modern history. I mean, all of his crimes have been thoroughly documented. I'm not simply speaking from opinion here, and I'm going to show with concrete evidence from mainstream sources here how U.S. President Joe Biden, a Democrat, by the way, is appointing a longtime Republican neoconservative war criminal. And it shows that in the U.S. government, especially in the State Department, there is a bipartisan warmongering consensus of support for horrific atrocities that have been committed in the name of expanding U.S. imperial power all around the world. Elliot Abrams, his blood-soaked hands, is a unfortunately a perfect symbol of the criminality of U.S. foreign policy.
The Biden White House announced on July 3rd a series of nominees for bipartisan boards and commissions, and he announced that the war criminal Elliot Abrams was the nominee for member of the United States Advisory Commission on Public Diplomacy. By the way, he also appointed another notorious neoconservative, Jamie Fly, who was involved in the George Bush administration. He also worked for neoconservative Senator Marco Rubio. He also directed the U.S. government propaganda outlet Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, which has its origins in the CIA being created as a propaganda weapon during the original first Cold War against the Soviet Union. So it shows that these neoconservative figures come in in all of these different administrations, Republicans and Democrats. But in terms of this U.S. Advisory Commission on Public Diplomacy, which Elliot Abrams has been nominated for, this is overseen by the State Department, and they explain in very basic language, I mean, boilerplate language, they say that the U.S. Advisory Commission on Public Diplomacy is charged with appraising U.S. government activities intended to understand, inform, and influence foreign publics and to increase the understanding of and support for these same activities. So Elliot Abrams is going to be involved in some kind of advisory capacity in the crafting of U.S. foreign policy and also the way it's pre presented, not only to U.S. government officials, but to the public, to the world. This should be very concerning, considering that Elliot Abrams was convicted by the U.S. government of lying. He, When I say he's a war criminal, it's not actually hyperbole. He is a criminal who was convicted on two charges by the U.S. government in 1991 of lying and withholding information to the U.S. Congress over his involvement in the infamous Iran-Contra scandal. And what is this? This was during the Reagan administration in the 1980s, in which the U.S. government was trying to fund the far-right Contra death squads in Nicaragua by selling weapons to Iran. Ironically, the U.S. had an arms embargo against Iran, and this was imposed after the 1979 revolution in Iran. And yet the Reagan administration sold weapons to Iran and used that money in order to fund the far-right Contra death squads in Nicaragua in order to try to violently overthrow the socialist Sandinista government that came to power in another revolution in 1979 that overthrew Nicaragua's right-wing military dictatorship of Somoza, a family dictatorship, a dynasty that had been backed, installed by the United States and backed by the United States for many decades. Now, while Elliot Abrams was backing genocide and massacres in Latin America, what was his capacity in the Reagan administration? This, I mean, it sounds like a joke, but I, I kid you not. His position in the State Department was the Assistant Secretary of State for Human Rights and Humanitarian Affairs. I repeat, the Assistant Secretary of State for Human Rights and Humanitarian Affairs. This is a man who was implicated in genocide and massacres in Nicaragua, El Salvador, and also Guatemala. I'll start with Nicaragua, the most well-known case. Now, U.S. President Ronald Reagan referred to Nicaragua's Contras as so-called freedom fighters. In reality, they were terrorists. And some of the people involved in leading the Contras admitted that they were terrorists. In 1986, a right-wing Nicaraguan from one of the wealthiest, most powerful 
families in the country. His name is Edgar Chamorro. The Chamorro family are the dynasty that, along with the, the Somozas, have basically controlled Nicaragua for all of its history, and they have always worked closely with the U.S. government. He published an article in 1986 in the New York Times titled, Terror is the Most Effective Weapon of Nicaragua's Contras. And he said very clearly, again, this is a right-wing Nicaraguan from an elite family close to the U.S. He had led some of the Contras, and then he eventually quit in protest because he said, quote, the Contras were and are a proxy army controlled by the U.S. government. If U.S. support were terminated, they would not only be incapable of conducting any military activities against the Sandinistas, but would also immediately begin to disintegrate. I resigned rather than continue as a CIA puppet. He said, during my four years as a Contra director, it was premeditated policy to terrorize civilian non-combatants to prevent them from cooperating with the government. Hundreds of civilian murders, mutilations, tortures, and rapes were committed in pursuit of this policy of which the Contra leaders and their CIA superiors were well aware. In a typical case, in 1985, the Contras occupied the town of Guapa, gathered the residents in the town square, selected those civilians they suspected of sympathizing with the government, and shot them in cold blood as a lesson. The Sandinistas, for all their faults, have made enormous advances in education, housing, and healthcare, issues of vital importance to Nicaragua's poor majority. Unfortunately, the Contras burned down schools, homes, and health centers as fast as the Sandinistas build them. Again, this guy writing is not a Sandinista. He is a former leader of the fascist U.S.-backed death squads, which he said were CIA puppets, and he's from one of the most powerful, wealthy right-wing families in Nicaragua, admitting this in the pages of the hallowed New York Times. And Elliot Abrams, as a key figure in the Reagan administration, in the State Department, oversaw many of these atrocities and war crimes that were committed. As yet another example of some of these crimes that Elliot Abrams was implicated in, in 1987, the New York Times published a report titled, Abrams Denies Wrongdoing in Shipping Arms to Contras. And it notes, Assistant Secretary of State Elliot Abrams has defended his role in authorizing the shipment of weapons on a humanitarian aid flight to Nicaraguan rebels, saying the operation was, quote, strictly by the book. And it quotes a former head of the State Department's Nicaraguan so-called humanitarian assistance office, who said that on multiple occasions, he ordered planes to shuttle weapons for the Contras on aid planes at Abrams' direction in early 1986. So when the U.S. talks about so-called humanitarian aid that it wants to send to countries like Venezuela, which this was the same tactic used during the Trump administration's coup attempt, which we'll talk about in a bit. I mean, this is what they mean by humanitarian aid. They mean weapons for fascist death squads to murder civilians. But it wasn't just Nicaragua. We're unfortunately just getting started here. If you go to Nicaragua's neighbor, El Salvador in Central America, there were also similar revolutionaries who were trying to overthrow a U.S.-backed right-wing authoritarian regime. In 1979, the Sandinistas succeeded, but they never did succeed in El Salvador. And the revolutionary struggle there was led by the FMLN, the Farmula Martí National Liberation Front. 
And in El Salvador, the U.S.-backed right-wing authoritarian regime committed genocide as well and massacred civilians. And one of the most infamous massacres in 1981 is the El Mosote massacre, in which roughly 1,000 civilians were murdered by the El Salvadorian military, supported by the Ronald Reagan administration, by the U.S. government. This is back when Elliot Abrams was Assistant Secretary of State for Human Rights and Humanitarian Affairs. The U.S. Senate actually held a hearing to talk about this massacre and U.S. involvement in murdering a thousand civilians. And Elliot Abrams testified in the hearing. Again, this is when he was Assistant Secretary of State for Human Rights and Humanitarian Affairs. And he denied that the government was massacring civilians. He said, quote, it appears to be an incident that is at least being significantly misused at the very best by the guerrillas. He referred to the, the massacre of a thousand people as an incident and basically denied that it happened. And again, he also tried to blame the leftists from the FMLN saying that they were using it as propaganda. Again, we're gonna, this is a pattern we're going to see as we talk about Guatemala, where he always tries to justify these crimes against humanity, the genocidal crimes that the U.S. sponsored in Central America, by saying, well, we had to fight communism. This, this, is, this was necessary to fight communism, which, by the way, was the exact same excuse that the Nazis used to justify their genocide, saying we had to defeat cultural Marxism and, and the cultural Bolsheviks and defeat the Soviet Union. This brings me to another report in the New York Times, this one from 2013, titled Trial on Guatemalan Civil War Carnage Leaves Out U.S. Role. And this discusses the trial against Guatemala's U.S.-backed fascist dictator, Efrain Rios Montt, who was a far-right fanatic. And by the way, he was also a Christian fundamentalist and evangelical fundamentalist. And part of the way he justified his massacres and and genocide of the indigenous Maya peoples in Guatemala was that he, one, said that they were communists and sympathetic to communist guerrillas, and two, he said that they were all godless pagans or atheists and they weren't Christians like him. So that was the way he justified this U.S.-backed gen genocide. And we see once again here that Elliot Abrams was involved in this genocide in supporting this U.S.-backed dictator. It notes that in 1999, a United Nations Truth Commission found Guatemalan security forces responsible for more than 90% of the human rights violations committed during the country's civil war. And the U.S. president then, Bill Clinton, apologized, although, again, it doesn't change anything because if you just say, I'm sorry, what about reparations? I mean, we're talking about a country, Guatemala, that is extremely poor and has been destabilized and suffered from decades of U.S. meddling. Even the New York Times has acknowledged that there is a long history of United States support for Guatemala's military, which began with a coup engineered by the CIA in 1954. They don't mention that that was against a democratically elected left-wing president, Jacobo Arments, and he was overthrown because he was trying to nationalize the land in Guatemala that was owned by U.S. corporations like the United Fruit Company, which is now known as Chiquita. And he was trying to give that land to poor peasants, trying to redistribute the land. So the CIA overthrew him and installed a right-wing military regime. And that has continued for decades, of course. And the New York Times pointed out that when Guatemala's 
U.S.-backed genocidal fascist dictator Efrain Rios Montt was facing trial in the 1980s, U.S. support for him went unacknowledged during the genocide trial and conviction. The prosecution never raised the issue of American military backing in the army's war against leftist guerrillas. The New York Times quoted a Guatemala expert at the National Security Archive, which is affiliated with George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Her name is Kate Doyle, and she said in this article that part of the burden of that historical responsibility was that the United States tried to use Guatemala as a bulwark against communism. The U.S. played a very powerful and direct role in the life of this institution, the army, that went on to commit genocide. And here comes our good friend Elliot Abrams, the war criminal who was served in the Reagan administration, the Bush administration, the Trump administration, and now Biden has brought him back. The New York Times points out that in 1983, Elliot Abrams, the Assistant Secretary of State for Human Rights under Reagan, suggested that General Rios Montt's rule had, quote, brought considerable progress on human rights. Again, this is a guy who committed genocide. And it notes that Abrams was defending the Reagan administration's request to lift an embargo on military aid to Guatemala, brushing off concern from human rights groups about the rising scale of massacres in Maya villages. Elliot Abrams declared that, quote, the amount of killing of innocent civilians is being reduced step by step. So instead of massacring hundreds of thousands of civilians, now they're only massacring tens of thousands of civilians. That was basically the argument that the Assistant Secretary of State for Human Rights, Elliot Abrams, made to justify this U.S.-backed genocide in Guatemala. Now, the Washington Post reported back in 1999 on some of the atrocities that the U.S. sponsored in Guatemala in an article titled War Studies Censures Military in Guatemala, and it notes an independent commission formed to investigate widespread human rights abuses during Guatemala's 34-year civil war accused the U.S.-backed military of responsibility for the vast majority of the crimes, including murder, torture, rape, destruction of Indian villages, and widespread state terrorism. And this was part of a United Nations-sponsored peace process that brought an end to the war. It noted that the U.S. government, through various agencies, including the CIA, provided direct and indirect support for Guatemalan state operations. It found that 200,000 people, the overwhelming majority of them civilians, were killed or disappeared during the war. And of the 42,000 civilian killings investigated by the panel, the U.S.-backed right-wing Guatemalan military regime was responsible for 93%, whereas the leftist guerrillas were responsible for only 3%. I repeat, the U.S.-backed fascist military regime was responsible for 93% of civilian killings, according to this UN-backed investigation, whereas the Marxist rebels were only responsible for 3%. And this report is just bone-chilling. I mean, it documented 626 massacres committed by the U.S.-backed Guatemalan military in the 1980s during the height of its scorched-earth policy against Indian peasant communities believed to be sympathetic to the rebels. The Guatemalan army completely exterminated Maya communities, destroying their dwellings, livestock, and crops. 
And in the northern part of Guatemala, the Maya population, where, where the Maya population is the largest, the U.S.-backed Guatemalan army carried out a systematic campaign of genocide backed by Ronald Reagan and Elliot Abrams. Now, this issue was actually raised directly to Elliot Abrams' face in 1995 in an interview on PBS hosted by the journalist Charlie Rose. And he interviewed the investigative journalist Alan Nairn, who was one of the few journalists in the U.S. who actually looked into these atrocities that the U.S. sponsored in Central America. And Alan Nairn, to his great credit, he called out Elliot Abrams directly to his face and said that he should be tried and, and he should be investigated for the genocide and war crimes that he sponsored in Guatemala and other parts of Central America. Let's look at reality here. In reality, we're not talking about two murders, one colonel. We're talking about a more than 100,000 murders, an entire army, many of its top officers, employees of the U.S. Uh, government. We're talking about crimes, and we're also talking about criminals, not just uh, people like the Guatemalan uh, colonels, but also the U.S. agents who've been working with them and the higher-level uh, U.S. officials. I mean, I think you have to be, you have to apply uniform standards. President Bush when took, once talked about putting Saddam Hussein on trial for crimes against humanity, Nuremberg-style tribunal. I think that's a good idea. But if you're serious, you have to be even-handed. If we look at a case like this, I think we have to talk, start talking about putting Guatemalan and U.S. officials on trial. I think someone like Mr. Abrams would be a fit uh, a subject for such a Nuremberg-style inquiry. But I agree with Mr. Abrams that Democrats would have to be in the dock with him. The Congress has been in on this. The Congress approved the sale of 16,000 M-16s to Guatemala in 87 and 88. Hold on one second. I just, before, because they, they voted more military been, aid than the Republicans asked for. And again, I invite you and Elliot Abrams back to discuss what he no, did. But right thanks, now, Charlie. But you, I, 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 I hold on one second. Elliot. Go ahead. You want to repeat the I question just, of you I want mean, to be in the dock? It is ludicrous. It is ludicrous to respond to that kind of stupidity. This guy thinks we were on the wrong side in the Cold War. Maybe he personally was on the wrong side. Uh, I am one of the many millions of Americans. Right, Mr. Abrams, I don't we're on the wrong side in supporting the massacre of, of no. peasants and organizers. What I want to do is the, to I want to ask the following Absolutely. question. And that's a crime. That's a crime, Mr. Abrams, for which people should be tried. You now, have to yes. right. We'll put all the American officials who won the Cold War in the dock. All right. I should also point out, by the way, that another aspect of this terror war in Central America that is not well known is the role of the CIA in drug trafficking. And this was exposed by the legendary journalist Gary Webb in his famous series, Dark Alliance. He showed how the CIA and the Contras in Nicaragua, these far-right death squads, were using drugs to fund the terror war against the Sandinistas and also against the leftist revolutionaries in El Salvador and Guatemala. And what happened is that the drugs that were sold by the Contras in alliance with the CIA were dumped in largely black communities in the United States, especially in Los Angeles, in impoverished communities. And this led to the crack epidemic in the United States, a massive problem of addiction of crack and cocaine. And where did that, where did those drugs come from? They came from Central America, from a CIA rat line involved in funding these fascist death squads to overthrow the Sandinistas in Nicaragua and wage a terror war of genocide against the left. These are the blatant crimes against humanity that the US government was involved in, in the name of fighting communism and protecting capitalism. And by the way, I should point out that very tragically, Gary Webb 
his career was destroyed for exposing this. I mean, everything that he reported was proven to be correct, but his career was destroyed. All the pressure was put on his his employers to fire him. And then he died in very mysterious circumstances with two bullets to the back of the head. It was it was declared a suicide. So, I mean, the journalists who expose these crimes face very real consequences, whereas the war criminals like Elliot Abrams, who are directly complicit, not only do they face no consequences, but they continue to fail up and they're brought back in multiple governments in the future, including Bush, Trump, and now Biden. Now, I mentioned that Elliot Abrams in 1991 was convicted of lying to the U.S. government and withholding intelligence, withholding information that he was supposed to give to Congress. Well, the reason that he was allowed to be brought back into the government is because when the Republican came into power after Reagan, George H.W. Bush, a uh, former CIA director turned president, he pardoned Elliot Abrams and other criminals who were involved in the Iran-Contra scandal. And then Elliot Abrams, you know, as a neoconservative, he got involved in different groups, including the Project for the New American Century, which is, I mean, they're known as the neocons, but really what they really are are neocolonialists. Dick Cheney, who was vice president under George W. Bush, Bush Jr., and the power really behind the throne in the Bush administration, Dick Cheney really oversaw a lot of the operations. But anyway, the point is that in the Project for the New American Century, Dick Cheney and Elliot Abrams and all these others, they called basically for the entire world to be the ruled by the U.S. empire. This is the era of the so-called Wolfowitz Doctrine in which the U.S., wanted full spectrum dominance. They wanted to colonize the entire world. They wanted no other country to rise to challenge the unipolar hegemonic empire of the United States. And Elliot Abrams was a key proselytizer who, he was a priest of neoconservatism, preaching how great the U.S. empire was. And he had been advocating for the invasion of Iraq, along with people like Dick Cheney. And then, of course, when George Bush came into office, they had, and with 9-11, they had the reason, the excuse to justify invading Iraq. Although, of course, Iraq had absolutely nothing to do with 9-11 whatsoever. Saddam Hussein had nothing to do with it, but they used it as an excuse with propaganda. And many people in the United States actually polls show that they thought that Iraq was linked, which is completely absurd. And then with the whole weapons of mass destruction lie, they invaded Iraq in a horrific crime against humanity. Even the United Nations General Secretary at the time, Kofi Annan, said that the U.S. invasion of Iraq was illegal and violated the U.N. Charter. And who was brought back to the State Department under George Bush? Elliot Abrams, the war criminal, along, by the way, with many other figures from the Reagan administration. Those war criminals were brought back under Bush. Now, in addition to the war in Iraq, Elliot Abrams was involved in other very shady criminal operations like a U.S.-backed coup that overthrew Venezuela's democratically elected socialist president, Hugo Chavez, in 2002, in April. Now, this was a very brief coup. It was successful, but it was very brief. And we have evidence that the U.S. government planned and supported that coup in Venezuela in 2002. This was reported on by the mainstream British newspaper, The Guardian, in an article titled Venezuela Coup Linked to Bush Team. It noted that the failed coup in Venezuela was, well, it was failed, but again, it was successful for a few days. And what happened is that a right-wing 
oligarch in Venezuela named Pedro Carmona, overthrew, well, the military overthrew Chavez, and then this right-wing oligarch, Pedro Carmona, took power, and the U.S. immediately supported him, of course. But Hugo Chavez was so popular that the people of Venezuela rebelled, they flooded the streets, and they demanded that Chavez be returned to power, and he was returned to power. And there's a very good documentary about this called The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. But anyway, the point is that the Guardian newspaper pointed out that the failed coup in Venezuela was closely tied to senior officials in the U.S. government. They have long histories in the dirty wars of the 1980s and are linked to death squads that worked in Central America. And the policy in Latin America was being overseen by appointees in the Bush administration who got their careers started under Ronald Reagan. One of them, Elliot Abrams, who gave a nod to the attempted Venezuelan coup, has a conviction for misleading Congress over the infamous Iran-Contra scandal. And what happened is Pedro Carmona, the right-wing coup leader in 2002, he actually visited Washington before the coup along with other right-wing Venezuelans, and they were planning the coup uh, for, for weeks for actually for several months, but they continued it until weeks before the coup in April 2002. The visitors were received at the White House by the man President Bush tasked to be his key policymaker for Latin America, Otto Reich, a uh, not, not so uh, coincidental, ironic name there. Reich is a right-wing Cuban-American who under Reagan ran the Office for Public Diplomacy. Does that term sound familiar? The Office for Public Diplomacy? It should sound familiar because President Biden just nominated Elliot Abrams to join the U.S. Advisory Committee on Public Diplomacy. I mean, this history is so relevant because these exact same policies continue to be carried out. And in, in this case, it's actually the same people carrying out these policies, the same war criminals. Now, The Guardian pointed out that Otto Reich was shown by congressional investigations to report directly to Ronald Reagan's national security aide, Colonel Oliver North, who oversaw the Contras, a notorious war criminal. And Otto Reich is said by sources at the Organization of American States to have had a number of meetings with Carmona, that was the Venezuelan coup leader, and other leaders of the coup over several months. The coup was discussed in some detail, right down to its timing and chances of success, which were deemed to be excellent. So the Bush administration planned this 2000 coup, 2002 coup in Venezuela, and of course, Elliot Abrams was deeply involved. The article in The Guardian pointed out, the crucial figure around the coup was Elliot Abrams, who operates in the White House, this is in the Bush administration, as senior director of the National Security Council for Democracy, Human Rights, and International Operations. I mean, I just, it's so ludicrous. These are literal war criminals involved in genocide and war crimes and planning coups against democratically elected leaders. Hugo Chavez was democratically elected president. And yet they talk about democracy and human rights. This is the, when the US government talks about democracy and human rights, this is what they mean. They mean literal genocide on behalf of fascist dictatorships to try to murder leftists and commit genocide against indigenous peoples. That's democracy and human rights when the US government says it. So this brings us to more recently because Elliot Abrams, after overseeing the coup in Venezuela in 2002, 
he was brought back for another coup attempt by Donald Trump. And in 2019, Donald Trump appointed Elliot Abrams as his special representative for Venezuela. And the USA Today newspaper referred to Elliot Abrams simply as a foreign policy hawk. No, he is a war criminal involved in genocide. And by the way, this is this says everything about who Trump actually is as a person, because sometimes Trump, for opportunistic political reasons, will criticize the neocons, the neoconservatives. And yet he surrounded himself voluntarily with the worst neocons in the world, including his CIA director turned Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, including Elliot Abrams. Donald Trump appointed as his national security advisor, the top national security official, John Bolton, another notorious neocon involved in the project for the new American century, supporter of the Iraq war in the Bush administration. I mean, these are the worst, most criminal neocons who are, whose hands are completely soaked with blood. And Donald Trump voluntarily surrounded himself with all of these neocons. And then he says, well, the neocons forced me to do it. You appointed them as the top officials in your government. And then they tried to overthrow the Venezuelan government, overthrow the Iranian government, and continue to wage war around the world in Syria and Yemen, in Afghanistan. I mean, Iraq, Trump was such a hypocrite in every single way. Everything about him is phony. But anyway, let's go back to Elliot Abrams, whom Trump appointed to oversee another coup attempt in Venezuela. Remember I mentioned that back in the 1980s under Reagan, Abrams used so-called humanitarian aid flights to send weapons to the Contras in Nicaragua. Well, he tried the exact same strategy in Venezuela under Trump. In February 2019, the State Department announced, and this is the State Department, of course, of the Trump and of Mike Pompeo, it announced that Elliot Abrams was leading a U.S. delegation traveling by military aircraft to the Colombian border to deliver humanitarian aid for Venezuela, the exact same tactic. In fact, the United States and the Red Cross both condemned this and said it was not actual humanitarian aid. And the president of the International Federation of the Red Cross, Francesco Roca, said that the U.S. was not actually giving humanitarian aid. He said it was political. Quote, this is not about resources. This is about political will. He said, he said clearly that the Trump administration wanted to, quote, use the civilian population, their desperation, as a tool to destabilize the country, that is Venezuela. He didn't mention, of course, that it was U.S. sanctions, illegal U.S. sanctions that caused the, the crisis, economic crisis in the country. And the head of the Red Cross said, quote, as a humanitarian, this is unacceptable. Now, the U.S. strategy was to try to violently force so-called humanitarian aid across the border, a, a bridge linking Colombia and Venezuela around Cucuta. And then when the Venezuelan government refused to take the so-called humanitarian aid as part of this coup attempt in February 2019, the U.S.-backed you know, gangs of thugs, they burned the so-called humanitarian aid. They burned it, and then they falsely blamed the Venezuelan government. Marco Rubio and all these neocons blamed the Venezuelan government, and it was later admitted by the New York Times itself that actually the U.S.-backed right-wing coup plotters on the Colombian side of the border, they were the ones who lit the so-called U.S. humanitarian aid on fire. And again, this was overseen by Elliot Abrams, who used so-called humanitarian aid to send weapons 
to the Contras to try to overthrow the Sandinista government in Nicaragua in the 1980s. I mean, these coup plotters are, by the way, they're, they're not original at all. They just keep recycling the same exact tactics they always used. And just as Elliot Abrams backed the 2002 coup in Venezuela, and he, he, other figures from the, the Bush administration, they personally met with Pedro Carmona, the coup leader in Venezuela. Similarly, Elliot Abrams personally met with Juan Guaido, the U.S. puppet that they tried to install as fake president of Venezuela, despite the fact that Guaido never participated in a presidential election. He did not win a single vote, whereas the constitutional president, Nicolás Maduro, has been democratically elected multiple times and has gotten millions of votes. So Elliot Abrams was conspiring with Guaido to install this U.S. puppet in power. In fact, when Guaido went to the Trump White House and when he personally met with Trump, he also sat down for a meeting with Elliot Abrams, who, along with John Bolton, the other neoconservative war criminal, those, those are the two main people overseeing this coup attempt in Venezuela in 2019. In fact, in February 2019, there was a congressional hearing on the Trump administration's Venezuela policy, and a left-wing member of Congress, one of the very few left-wing members of Congress, Ilhan Omar, a progressive Democrat, she called out Elliot Abrams to his face and pointed out his history of involvement in war crimes and genocide and asked him to his face if he would once again back genocide and war crimes in Venezuela and other parts of Latin America. It was incredible to see someone from the U.S. Congress actually grow a spine and, and confront one of these war criminals like Elliot Abrams. I'm just going to play this clip. It's not super long, but I'm going to play the full clip because it really was an amazing moment. And you can see how furious Elliot Abrams was that someone dared to, to point out his history of, of war crimes and genocide. In 1991, you pleaded guilty to two counts of withholding information from Congress regarding your involvement in the Iran Cortra affair, for which you were later barred by President George H.W. Bush. I fail to understand uh, why members of this committee or the American people should find any testimony that you give uh, today to be truthful. If I can respond to that. Uh, um, it wasn't a question. I On that was it not was That was not a question. That was the I. I reserve the right to my time. It is not. It is not right. That was not a question. Can attack on February eighth. Who is not permitted to reply? That that was not a question. Thank you for your participation. On February eighth, nineteen eighty-two, you testified before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee about U.S. policy in El Salvador. In that hearing, you dismissed as communist propaganda report about the massacre of El Mosote, in which more than 800 civilians, including children as young as two years old, were brutally murdered by US trained troops. During that massacre, some of those troops bragged about raping a 12-year-old girl before they killed them. Girls before they killed them. You later said that the US policy in El Salvador was a fabulous achievement. Yes or no, do you still think so? 
from the day that President Duarte was elected in a free election to this day, El Salvador has been a democracy. That's a fabulous achievement. Yes or no, do you think that massacre was a fabulous achievement that happened under our watch? That is a ridiculous question. and I Yes or no? No. I, I will, sorry, Mr. I will Chairman, take that as a yes. I am not going to respond to that kind of personal attack, which is not a question. Yes or no, would you support an armed faction within Venezuela that engages in war crimes, crimes against humanity or genocide, if you believe they were serving U.S. interest, as you did in Guatemala, El Salvador, and Nicaragua? I am not going to respond to that question. I'm sorry. I don't think this entire line of questioning is meant to be real questions, and so I will not reply. Whether you, under your watch, a genocide will take place, and you will look the other way because American interests were being upheld is a fair question because the American people want to know that anytime we engage a country, that we think about what our actions could be and how we believe our values are being farthered. That is my question. Will you make sure that human rights are not violated and that we uphold international and human rights? I suppose there is a question in there, and the answer is that the entire thrust of American policy in Venezuela <clears throat> is to support the Venezuelan people's effort to restore democracy to their country. That's our policy. I don't think anybody disputes that. The question I had for you is that the interest, does the interest of the United States include protecting human rights and include protecting people against genocide? That is always the position of the United States. I think that's the perfect note to end on. I mean, it is absolutely atrocious that these war criminals not only face no consequences. I mean, in, the, in his case, he was slapped on the wrist with two misdemeanors. And then what happened? The president, George H.W. Bush, pardoned him. So there are no consequences for these war criminals in the U.S. government. These are the people overseeing U.S. foreign policy. And it's not just in Republican governments. Joe Biden, a Democrat, is bringing back this notorious neoconservative who served under Reagan, Bush, and Trump. And now Joe Biden has appointed him as an advisor for public diplomacy. I mean, it is just atrocious. And there needs to be much more awareness and education about the horrific war crimes that the U.S. has committed around the world, especially in Latin America, and how it's not just history. These policies continue to today, and they're being overseen in many cases by the exact same war criminals who just never go away. With that, I'm going to end here. I'm Ben Norton, the editor of Geopolitical Economy Report. Please subscribe on whatever platform you're watching or listening on, especially on YouTube. It helps to promote our material in the algorithm. If you want to support the work that we do, please consider going to geopoliticaleconomy.com support. And there are several ways you can donate. The best way is you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash geopolitical economy. We have no institutional support. We have no big sponsors. We rely entirely 
on small donations from viewers and listeners. I want to thank all of you. I'll see you next time.